Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. It is Monday, July the 18th. Let's get started. This is the Paul Truesdell Podcast. Due to the extensive holdings of our sponsor, Fixed Cost Financial, and your hosts, you should expect that a conflict of interest exists with all companies discussed. And now, two Pauls in a pod. The Paul Truesdell Podcast. Hurricane season is about to, uh, well, it's already kicked off, and you were just telling me something about what company again? Squarespace. Um, a couple of years ago, when the hurricane, not a hurricane, Sandy, hit the northwest or northeast, um, they had uh, obviously lots of lots of flooding and power outages and stuff like that. And uh, Squarespace had rack space or something like that at a data center that was running low on diesel fuel and their people, uh, their employees, not the data center's employees. As far as I remember, the story went, um, they actually were rolling the barrels of diesel up the stairs to the area where the generators were (laughs) because the power had been out for so long. And typically data centers only really store about 48 hours worth of fuel. So really, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it makes sense because you just, you just need enough to get you through a natural disaster for a couple of days and, and fuel does go bad, right? So if you don't have a natural disaster for a couple of years, you're just running, you're wasting money basically. So anyways, it, yeah. So they did this to keep websites online. Meanwhile, I was telling you there was a, uh, there was a company that just earlier today, earlier this morning announced a, a big, a quite large acquisition and their main website was down. <laughs> I was saying, you know, there's just different qualities of people in the world where They'll send people to go roll barrels of diesel to keep their websites online and then other people. It's like, we're announcing a major acquisition and our website's down. <laughs> well, those are companies, you know, yeah. The I mean, fact you can't that, fault people for having no. issues, but it is just funny that you see these types of things. And it's just, you know, the day that you don't want things to fail. I don't know. I guess sometimes that's just is what it is. I think the fact that you have a company, Square, that... Squarespace. Squarespace. Did I say Square again? Squarespace goes in and uh, they bring in their oil. Diesel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just being silly. They bring in their diesel, Earl, Black Gold, Texas Tea. Anyways, those are the kind of companies I want to invest in. Yep. I mean, think about it. You know, it's like it's like the same thing I say. You know, like I get out. I just got them blowing the uh, driveway off at the office here. And, um, you know, you pick up garbage. You just do the little things. I like that. I, like I really like that stuff. It's the little stuff that makes a difference. And if you don't do the little stuff, after a while it accumulates and your country looks like Russia. You're on your own a lot. This- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's something we got to keep harping on. Ladies it gentlemen- is true. I mean, just go take Google Maps and go look at any place in Russia. And it just looks dirty. Like there is no sense of pride unless like some oligarch is paying a bunch of peons to go scrape the floors. Sad. It really is. What is the uh, that little tiny area that is right next to that? that um, it's or, Kaliningrad. It's yeah, the, Kaliningrad. It's yeah. the territory that ultimately World War II was started over because it was technically Germany um, and it was separated by Poland. And anyways, um, yeah, they the Russians still have Kaliningrad and you can literally go in a town, the, the part of the town that's in Russia, and then you can go into the part of the town that's in Lithuania or whatever. Yeah, it is. Lithuania, yeah. And it's hilarious or whatever it is. Um, one, one of the Baltic countries. Anyways, they, it's hilarious because you go Google maps, just drive like a couple blocks over and it's like, wow, it got dramatically worse. And For those of you who are familiar with uh, California, it's a little bit, like going from maybe Newport Beach to East LA. And East LA would be a step up, way step up. 
<laughs> yeah, it's just weird. Because, you know, the thing is, is almost all of those places were built at the same time. The European, um, the non-Russian area of the city or, or, or country at that point, um, you know, those buildings are largely the same age. It's just, it's a matter of maintenance and how much, you, how much self-pride you have in your property. And anyways, I mean, you can you can do the same thing if you go look at the uh, Gazprom uh, headquarters building. It's a giant, like, weird-looking teardrop thing Yeah, in St. Petersburg. It's on the water, I think. And how many blocks um, you go away? Maybe 10? Uh, if that. And you're, you've got, like, shanty towns that are, like, falling apart. It's one of the most amazing displays of, of, uh, of, I mean, some people would say it's, like, inequality, but I honestly don't even think that's the case because the people that live in these neighborhoods probably work for these people, so I can't imagine it. I mean, maybe, maybe it is that bad, but I, I can't. It's fascinating. Of course, it is a government building, hilariously. Gazprom is the largest publicly listed natural gas company in the world. It's the largest company in Russia by revenue. According to Forbes Global 2000, it's ranked 32nd. It's a majority owned by the state. I always get a kick out of, you know, it, oh, different companies. You could say uh, Fortune, Forbes, and all that. Oh, the richest person in the world, blah, 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 the largest company in the world. But they're state-owned companies for all practical purposes. And we'll let you own a little few shares. And Well, yeah, that's, that's the joke. That, that's the joke that uh, China and Russia and, and uh, who else am I thinking of? Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. That's what it is. That's the little joke they do. Is They're like, oh, yes, we're publicly traded, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you... 70% of the company is owned by the government, so I don't, I don't really see how it's publicly traded. You just you just get a little, you might as well buy the country's currency if you're going to take an investment or, or buy bonds or something. I'm going to use the word joke and do a transition. Um, drudge. Let me read you a couple headlines, and, and then I'm going to tell you what I think. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Unprecedented heat scorches Europe. Drudge is a master of uh, of headline manipulation. This guy, this guy, this guy uh, not only took the course, he drank the Kool Aid and he and he pounded it where, he, where the sun doesn't shine. 117 degrees Fahrenheit. Hundreds of deaths in Spain. Flames reach beach. I guess I, I guess it's just everything's burning down. UK braces for hottest day. And then the next one is northeast here in the United States is enjoying a blissfully mild summer as the plains in the south bake. And then there's a couple other good ones here. Uh, water police patrol drought hit Los Angeles streets. <laughs> so, you know, here's the thing. It, I, I'm going to ask you this. Um, we're doing all this stuff to for global, green, feel good, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, why can't we control the weather then? Um, because people are insane and they have such an immense amount of hubris. It's actually quite embarrassing at times. But it is, it is, it is comical. Like Drudge is literally the the a, he is a yellow journalist of the highest order. It is beyond gross. You remember a few years ago when everybody was talking about France and everybody went on vacation and everybody, literally everybody. These were the headlines. Everybody, everybody left their old. Uh, granny and grampy locked in their <laughs> apartments and they died from heat exhaustion. Yeah, because old people have no agency at all. No, no oh. agency. Oh, you have to lead them around by marionettes and, yep. Did you see where ABC News, this is a, I, I checked it out, I didn't believe it. This was like, nah, this can't be for real. But apparently a couple of people have left their kids in the backseat of their car and they've died. And 
you know. Okay, yeah, yeah. Your, your classic morons. Yep. What, what do you think ABC News said mm. on national television? Mm. What you should do? A, okay, well, you're saying this is like a, a joke. I, I don't know what they said, but my first initial reaction is, well, they probably think we need like extra legislation. But you're saying it in a joking manner, so no, I, no, no. I can't the, okay, so so what they maybe well, I'll the, give you a little are, tip. Were they doing a little tutorial on how to roll your window down? Uh you're close. Okay, you're real I close. Mean, we have to take it to like the the craziest wacky thing I can think of. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Teaching people how to roll their windows down is about as dumb as I can think. So so you're driving around in the car with your kid. Your kid's in a, in a car seat in the back seat. They said, I kid you not, put something important in the back seat to remind you to get your kid. <laughs> and if you didn't hear that, wow. put something important in the back seat. <laughs> oh yeah, because you know the kid's not important. That really shows you the the mental the, the mental state of most of these uh <sighs> these big city like childless professionals. Let's call them who you know. Oh, children aren't important. That's quite silly. Yeah. Of course, I think your new car has a feature that will tell you if something was left on the back seat. It's got a sensor or something. It'll warn you. I don't know. If, it, if it's not your car, then I saw it on some marketing material for some car. It's a, it's a feature because people have that little, that, that small of an attention span these days. They just, you know, we need technology to remind people. They left things in places. Well, maybe we'll read, maybe my uh, my next car will have a vulture a vulture warning system because it says here, <laughs> Drudge, I gotta load this guy. Why we should all be worried about vulture apocalypse? <laughs> vulture apocalypse, son. We got to be worried about it. Uh, birds are synonymous with death, and uh, their plummeting numbers could. Uh, Pose a serious trouble for humans. Catastrophic decline of the vulture population in Africa and Asia is causing alarm among researchers. A cascade effect could lead to a spread of deadly old diseases, including plagues, anthrax, and rabies. Well, we got monkeypox. Well, I, I completely agree. I mean, that's just a very logical conclusion to a lack of important um, feeding elements within the the natural ecosystem. Now, the problem is is why is you know not having not read this article and only heard what you've said here um let's do a little thought experiment why have vultures decreased in pop global population well there's one of the things that I'm, I'm just glancing over real quick but but they're saying for example in kenya they, they're upgrading their elect the electrical network they're replacing wooden poles with concrete poles and these guys are sitting on them and they're frying themselves so you know muscle memory for birds they're, they're just dying or being electrocuted uh, in, in pretty large numbers so that's one one area obviously you're going to get a bunch of uh, defoliant and and uh, different things like that what do you think well all of those factors are largely well the first factor about power poles is like blaming you know mass mass uh, mass shootings due to the increased uh, population of uh, the increased deaths in the united states it's like mm -hmm. it's insignificant like maybe if you have whatever anyways it's statistically insignificant um no the primary reason you have vultures you have a mass die-off is largely due to the fact that the global animal population has plummeted and that's what they're saying here vultures eat more dead stuff than almost everything else put together they do the heavy lifting not the lions or hyenas so they're being uh, they're dying off because there's just not enough food to eat. They've uh, people are getting rid of carcasses quickly. So 
it is what it is. And of course, what you're saying, well, I mean, wildlife could, is dying off. Well, it's not that it's dying off. There's just no place for them to live. Yeah. You know, it, all over the world, everywhere you look, everything is being paved over. They're cutting every bit of forest that they can down in inhabitable areas. Now, there's tons of places where there's, you know, it's, it's not very habitable for humans. And if it's not habitable for humans, it's unlikely to be very habitable for animals as well. At least not, you know, the kind of animals that can sustain a, a large vulture population. Um, so, you know, a, a statistic that I remember reading a long time ago was about how, uh, well, not statistic, it's just kind of a, an element of history, is that the reason the United States has our hunting laws and hunting seasons and permits and all of this regulation, of course, a lot of people will blame it on, you know, the wacky liberals and their gun control, and there's probably some element of, of that to it. But the primary reason that these, these regimens were instituted um, was in the uh, was because of the uh, Depression mm-hmm. in the 30s, particularly. Um, people, you know, they weren't that far removed from the land where they didn't know how to hunt anymore. So what did they do? They just decided, okay, well, I can't afford as much stuff from the store because I don't have a job or wages aren't keeping up or, or I guess... Not that wages weren't keeping up, it's just people couldn't get jobs because everybody's hoarding money anyways. Um, yeah, so people started hunting more. And uh, because so many people went back to hunting, they almost wiped out the domestic deer and elk and other populations in, in North America. They the uh, that's, that's why a lot of the conservation stuff, is, especially as it's tied to uh, animals and, and, and all these things were set up because people realized like, uh, if we if we continue on this path, we are literally going to wipe out deer and all these other animals, much like the buffalo were almost wiped out. So it's a uh, it's it's not good. And basically, the point is is that you know when you look at this on a on a grander scale from from a much more uh, detached perspective than you know yellow journalist uh, Drudge or any of these other people, the one thing they won't tell you is, and of course in in more uh, I guess uh, polite circles, nobody would talk about this because it scares people, is that the Earth's population is probably, is is well beyond its sustainable carrying capacity right now. And the only reason we're able to carry 8, 9 billion people is purely because of basically modern fertilizers and and, uh, highly efficient agriculture. We used to live in Dunellen, and as a result, we know a lot about phosphate, don't we? I mean, I I know that it exists, yes. Quite, excuse me, quite literally our house on the cliff, one of the few houses that there's a cliff in Florida, our house on the cliff when we lived in Dunellen was uh, on a phosphate pit that collapsed, and then years later the house was built, 100 years later. So anyways, but uh, yeah, phosphate, we're running out of it. Without that, you got a little bit of problem. Yeah, yeah. so we have natural gas pulls the nitrogen out of the air, thanks uh, uh, German scientists during World War I, and then potassium is easy to get. Well, people don't and talk then, about bird poo and how and valuable phosphate. that was. And phosphate, yeah, or yeah. So, um, and people, you know, you would get you'd get the phosphate from bird poop. That's the historical way of getting it, um, and that's the primary reason that the British Navy swelled to the size that it was and traveled the high seas and, and became the force in the world that it was for as long as it did. Because it, the, one of the primary reasons that they were out doing stuff beyond you know the the benefits of colonizing places and gaining better access to natural resources was it traveled all over the, all over the green earth or the blue ocean as it were to 
find un, uh, uninhabited islands that birds had pooped all over. And they would go and they'd literally go with cargo ships and dig up the bird poop off of a little rock island in the middle of the Pacific, take it back to Ireland or, or Scotland, and grow their food. Because, of course, we know, as, as we know, uh, the English are one of the few empires in history. I'm sorry. Is, it is uh, like most empires in history where they didn't actually grow their own food. Where the United States is probably about the only global empire in, in world history that has maintained our own food sustainability. But not only that, we still export. Whereas, you know, you, you look at any other major empire in history in Persia, Rome, uh, obviously the British, French, really any of them, they, they've totally failed to maintain their own uh, food and, and calorie independence. And uh, that's usually why they start wars that cause them to fall over. Well, one of the things, not only do you have to grow it, but you have to process it. And for example, there's a story out of Grand Forks, North Dakota, where you've got just a massive amount of farmland up there. And what they did is they, they needed a, a, a new corn mill processing plant. And so they, a bunch of people got together. They said, oh, you know, there'll be a thousand construction jobs, 200 permanent jobs. The governor, uh, a Republican said, oh, this is a great opportunity for North Dakota. Everybody lined up. Uh, but they weren't quite exactly clear on who was going to do it. Turns out it was a Chinese company. And um, so now you've got all across the country, you and I both know this. We've talked about this in prior podcasts, where you have foreign entities, governments, and uh, mixed, what can I use the word, mixed loyalty ownership uh, of farmland, mills, processing. Look at what's going on in the cattle industry. Look what's going on in all of these different things. Um, yeah, we may manufacture, we may grow it, but we may not necessarily own it. Well, yeah, that that is a, a problem that has been spoken about and written about by a lot of people. Can't remember the guy's name. Uh, anyways, a former U.S. military, I think, general or something, wrote a book that came out recently about just you know the pervasiveness of the 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 war that China is perpetrating against the United States. And it is a war, folks. It is a war. And how it's just war by other means. It's it's you know it's not a kinetic war yet, um, but it's economic. And you know just a lot of people fail to see how important that is. And the other thing is is how this entire thing also ties in with uh, with Russia. Um, you know, there's aspects of, of this Russian conflict that are w with Ukraine, of course, um, that go back decades. And this 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 current conflict, like a, a simple little detail that I haven't seen anybody in any mainstream or or, or even in any real think tanks talk about, is well, one obviously this affects global food supplies in a major way, and Russia has been desperately trying to control the Black Sea ports of Ukraine, and they are. You know, yet again, they've screwed themselves royally uh, due to the simple reality that their military technology is is very, very poor. That a, a, a ill-equipped country like Ukraine can utterly destroy their Black Sea Navy, which was one of the premier uh, naval fleets in the world, um, with a couple missiles, most of them domestically made. I mean, that's pathetic. 
So they have not been able to stranglehold the, the food supply and use that as leverage against the West and, and Ukraine like they had hoped they, they could have, um, given their poor military performance. So, um, but, but the origins of this conflict, obviously, like part of global food supply is a part of this conflict, whether you like it or not. And, you know, the origins of this conflict obviously go back to, uh, go back many, many years. And a good example of this is, and I think, 2016, I, I'm just speaking off the top of my head here, but um, there was a confirmed by the intelligence agencies in, I think it was the Czech Republic, if I recall correctly, um, Russian uh, foreign intelligence agents blew up one of the largest uh, supply depots of uh, Soviet era munitions stockpiles that they had in their country. Well, that's a big deal for a lot of years. People were like, well, why the hell is Russia effectively committing terrorism on other countries in Europe? And why isn't, and, and, and of course in the fall is why isn't anybody doing anything about it? Well, it's because Russia controls the gas and it's just, it's all about, it's always about commodities and the economy and everything. But why were they doing it? Was, was the bigger question. Like we understand why people would bow to Russian power, but why are they blowing up their stuff all the way in the central Europe? Well, now we know why. Because if, if those stockpiles were available, then there wouldn't be this dire need to transition to um, NATO and American uh, weapons in Ukraine. They would have much, much deeper reserves of 152 millimeter and 7.62, 152mm artillery and 7.62 by 39 caliber uh, rifle ammunition. And so it just kind of puts into perspective that you know people think that these things happened overnight. And the reality is these things have been planned for a really long time. And the, don't discount the agriculture element to all of this. Yeah, I've I've said this for many years, and unfortunately, and I'm not being mean, but you know, so I just get tired of some of these networking events I've gone to, and you talk about things like that, and you see the eyes gloss over, and people are, you know, they'd rather talk about you know Jennifer Lopez and and Ben Affleck getting married than talk about the fact that agriculture is just part of the global chess match, and that's what it is, where countries are vying for power and control. And in the case of China, you know, it's not it's not good enough that, for example, research generally shows that over 70%, nearly 80% of America's have people in America have an unfavorable view of China. Well, that means 20% of the population views it favorably, which makes you kind of scratch your head and go, that's not good because 20% is a pretty healthy population. And sounds, not, To me, that sounds very similar to the percentages during the Cold War. Exactly. You always, you always had that. You know that you always had them fifth element, mm -hmm. you know, or they you know that fifth column bunch of people that were either ideological enemies among you or they're just morons. So twenty four percent have a favorable view of China, yet ninety percent believe China does not respect personal freedoms of its people. So if you got twenty four and ten, that means fourteen percent of the population doesn't care about personal freedoms. Well, I'd say we, that's an extrapolation. Pretty simple. Well, yeah, it's very simple. And you know, if you have fourteen percent of people that don't value personal personal freedoms, then um, they're just weird masochists. And I say we'll give you a, a, a one way ticket to whatever. Uh, totalitarian hellhole you want to go to. Bye-bye. You know, and one of the things that in China, in South Korea, North Korea, Saudi Arabia, Israel, and wherever anybody is Jewish, it's an automatic thing. Um, all, over the, all over the country, all over the world, rather, people are very nationalistic. You're seeing a much more um, trend where I want to be among my own people, whether they look exactly like me or not. I want to have a nation. I want to belong to somebody. Um, one of the things I've said for years is that the 
the especially here in, in the state of Florida, we have in Marion County, uh, they're always changing the lines of school districts. Oh yeah, they're you know today I go to a school zippity doo and tomorrow I go to zippity doo day, and and you know I graduated from Wisconsin, and where I graduated, they changed the mascot. We were the Warriors, and it's, well, the Indian, right? The headdress. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, sure. that's that's all gone. Ooh, Ooh yeah. We're, I think we're the. I think they're now the Buttercups. Um, but this whole sense of nationalism, when Trump was in office and he was, and I'm not a Trump supporter, make it real clear, you know that, I know that, anybody knows this. But when Trump was in office, you you know, there was that little bit of a, you know, we got to be more nationalistic, more pride in our country and everything else. And everybody on the other side was saying, no, China's great. You know, you can't be skeptical. That's all good. So Also, any nationalism was bad while thinking China's good, even though China is like a, an ultra-nationalist. Well, they're an, they're, they're an ethno-nationalist superstate. I mean, to the point that all of their ethnic minorities, they just brush them under the rug and kind of glom them into this thing they call Han Chinese, which is kind of a, you know, ultra Chinese nationalists would probably cut my head off for saying this. But, you know, Han Chinese is actually more like a more like a goulash of a whole bunch of different kind of ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And they use quote-unquote Chinese genetic science to make them all look like they're the same, even though we would make them, we would diverge them a lot differently. But anyways, or if they won't identify as Han Chinese, what do they do? They do like they do in in the uh, Mongolian uh, area of China where they just persecute them like the Russians persecute uh, persecuted the Eastern Bloc countries during during the Cold War. They throw them in camps if you don't, you know, they, they force them to speak uh, Chinese, Han Chinese. Um, if they, you know, all the, they've, they've removed the majority of all of their cultural rituals and, and, uh, and practices and all these things. Uh, there's a lot of really good documentaries on YouTube about this. And it's just, it's horrible. You know, again, it's not politically correct. And not, nothing I ever say and do is politically correct. But I have always voiced in opposition to you got to get rid of um, American Indian mascots because I've never understood this. I've never, ever, ever understood it because nobody anymore is thinking about American Indians. They're they're just not. If you think of American Indians from years ago, you used to think of the painted horse, you know, custard, they won, uh, the custard loss. Um, You know, you think about the reservations, the plight, you know, you, you thought about things, you know, you had some compassion. Nowadays, you say American Indian, I'm sorry, but what do you think of? Casinos. Yeah, honestly, if you've traveled the country, the number one thing you think of when you talk about Native Native Americans, or I think they call them Amerindians now, which is probably a decent enough name, um, you know, or what do they call They also call them First Peoples, which whatever, anyways. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing people think about is, is the giant empty reservations, right? Mm-hmm. Or they think about casinos, which is sad because, okay, you, you have a great, uh, let's call it a loophole for making a lot of money, but it's pathetic that that's now defined their entire existence that, um, you know, you know, we can't, can't name any, any teams or sports or anything after this kind of like indelible element of our cultural heritage of, of the people of this continent. No, no, no. Got to remove it because, you know. Some people didn't like it and it made them mad. It's just silly. It's I guess what it is, it's short-sighted and it it totally cuts off the intent 
of that. You know, people fail to understand that, you know, you were talking about, you know, the the general nationalism and stuff. And people fail to understand that, like, in the United States, we have had um, African slaves and Indians and uh, South American, uh, kind of a, a different type of Amerindian. Um, and obviously then the, the, the people that were the offspring of those in the Spanish, who, who we now call Hispanics, right? Um, we've had a, a very multicultural uh, experience in the United States from the very beginning. Yep. And it's very difficult to ignore that. But it's funny that the people that portray themselves as the biggest multiculturalists, their intent may be good, but the effect of their of their action is the absolute extermination of basic cultural artifacts of some of these people. Because, oh, we have to make everybody feel good. And, oh, they like you, you don't have to constantly put everybody down. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. A culture a people, a time frame in history is never remembered unless it's written down. And repeated often. And, and, and the problem with telephone, meaning I tell you, you tell a friend, you tell a friend. You know, there's a reason, I, I talked a little bit about this on one of our other podcasts. There's a reason why there are nursing rhymes and idioms. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Of there's a meaning to that, Right. Absolutely. I mean, people people will get mad about this, and it doesn't really bother me. Get mad if you want, but the reality is, is that's what that's what most religious texts are. They are a collation of compilation of stories and and historical artifacts, whether real or imagined or totally made up, for the purposes of transmitting stories and lessons and information over a long period of time. And it's genius because. You know, when you when you think of it from this perspective, these religious texts, whether you're talking about uh, the derivatives of Abrahamic religions or you're talking about uh, Asian, um, you know, obviously with the Indians, uh, you you know, continental Indians, um, you know, you have you have Hinduism and you have the different religious books um, that exist in that tradition. Uh, obviously, same thing in China, um, you know, Buddhists, and there's different texts and things with relation to that. Anyways, um, all these things, people pass them on without thought. So it creates some of the longest transmitted original stories and and uh, and histories of things. People don't take into account how important that is. And you know the reality is is that's that's a similar goal of the Freemasons. Of course, today most people you know you say Freemasons and they think like you know something having to do with 9/11, JFK conspiracies, and like uh, oh you mean like Bill Clinton's killed uh, Trump's uh, former wife? Yeah, and like Bilderberg Group and a whole bunch of other weird stuff that doesn't make any sense. And they think that you know there's see these symbols everywhere. They're everywhere because they control the world. It's like oh boy. Anyways, so you know, people have all these ridiculously silly uh, assumptions about things, but the the original intent of the Freemasons organization was during um, the medieval warm period. You had a tremendous growth in in highly sophisticated uh, uh, you know construction capabilities, and a lot of that was likely transmitted down for uh, oh, many, probably more than a thousand years before that point. But the medieval warm period enabled enough. Uh, uh, societal and economic specialization where man could uh, get up every morning, go to work as a mason or a specific type of mason, do his job and then go home after a hard day's work. And he didn't have to worry about making sure the cows were fed and making sure that he had enough food on the table. You know, societal and economic specialization is, is 
the reason why we're at where we're at today. You know, the fact that we don't have to get up and worry about, you know, where water's coming from. And so, you know, the medieval warm period passed and in different places in Europe, these giant churches that were built, um, the t- some of them were, weren't even completed and the tools were left just one day. There wasn't enough food and the, the weather got bad and people just walked away from them. And this information, this knowledge on how to build things, these grand things that would be even difficult for t- people today, um, had to be transmitted down. Of course, then you also get into you know a lot of uh, very ultra-religious uh, ideologies then came about and uh, the Catholic Church then started persecuting people for certain scientific uh, explorations and discussions. So they had to have secret societies to transmit very technical information, even though most people, it was above their head and they thought it was sorcery. But it was really about trying to transmit like... Uh, yeah, you know, there's this thing called pi and, you know, uh, the size of the earth. Back then, you know, they're making cubits. You mean, you mean uh, Einstein didn't invent pi and square root? I yeah, thought he you know, invented everything. Everything's been invented in the past hundred years, yeah. There's actually people that do believe that, by the way. Oh, I don't there's, doubt there's, it. There's people that believe that, that everything on earth has actually been created in the past hundred years. And it's actually, uh, all, all history is actually just kind of made up. You know, one of the things that all of the, I'm going to, I'm going to tie three things together and we'll finish up. I, the, everything we're talking about centers around babies. We talked about leaving the baby in the back seat. If you're too stupid not to remember that it's a valuable thing and get it out, so, you know, yeah, I'm not even going to go there. But if you think about it, everything is written down for the next generation. For those of you who want to eliminate the iconic symbols of things like the American Indian, um, you do realize what you're doing is you are engaging in behavior very similar to what the Chinese are doing as they're eradicating non-Han Chinese, which is, is going on over there. Uh, there is the extermination of people. And what you're doing is you're eliminating a culture because they didn't write anything down. I don't know of any great Indian writings that go back thousands of years. Do you? And it doesn't matter if there were. I mean, the majority of what Aristotle wrote is gone to to the ashes. Um, the you know anything Socrates wrote didn't survive, and it was just what other people wrote that he said. Um, not even everything that you write down is going to survive. No, no, and I understand that, that. And, and, and that's a more important thing that I think people have to realize is sometimes people transmit people transmit ideas and knowledge and information using means that are more primitive, um, not because they're stupid, because they know that whatever they write down probably isn't going to last. Yeah, it's just, I think it's what, I'm, what I'm trying to get to, to say is that at least in, we'll call a broad stroke of modern history, going back a couple thousand years, um, and I realize modern history is not a couple thousand years, but we're going to use that because, you know, obviously well, it is. human yeah. beings have been around for a hell of a lot longer than that. Yep. The the point being is that if you don't write it down and you don't preserve it, uh, like the great uh, Library of Alexandria, gone. But you've got to find, you've got to diversify. Uh, you always said one is none, two is one, three is two. That whole thing, you've got to have backups. Obviously, I don't want to change the course of the discussion, but you've you we've seen that the United States military, compared to the Russian military, we got a lot of stuff, and they're running out. We, we have the right stuff. We got the right stuff. Uh, but you know, you don't let babies make decisions, and we've got a lot of babies that are in positions of power and authority where they think like AOC. I really despise that woman. Uh, she's there for political gain and purpose for her own own gig. But the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There's a quote: a common mistake that people make 
when trying to design something completely foolproof is to underestimate the ingenuity of complete fools. I think that's uh, kind of apropos for today. Yeah, it's true. Hey, speaking about babies, um, I got a couple things I want to finish up with. Um, in India, uh, they have a problem with monkeys. Yes, and, uh, it's disturbing. It is disturbing, isn't it? I have a monkey story. Should I tell the monkey story before we go tell about this? I was in Nevis golfing, uh, and uh, we were, my father, my wife, and I, and we, there's a par three hole at the uh, Four Seasons. I don't even know if it's a Four Seasons anymore down there. I haven't been there so long. Anyways, um, it was the par three. It's called the monkey hole. And uh, you you hit the ball, and the monkeys run up. They stand around it. They point at you. And then when you walk up, they, they stand off the sides. <laughs> It's the goofiest thing in the world. But in India, uh, on uh, last Friday, a bunch of monkeys ran up and grabbed a baby out of the arms uh, of uh, a parent and uh, ran up to uh, the top of a a building and uh, threw the baby to its death from a three-story building. Um, A chilling case of uh, adorable creatures who harass, beat, rob, and even kidnap human beings, they say, in in broad daylight. You want to talk a little bit about this? We've had some... Well, it's, it's not just uh, humans. I mean, obviously, like, they view humans as a, a predator to them, duh. Um, but they do the same thing to dogs and cats and stuff, too. Uh, they'll... A bunch of them will literally grab dogs and throw them off of buildings and kill them. It's just... It's They're gross. saying the they same thing is going on in gross. China as well. So it's not just India. It's in Tanzania. It's in China. So... Uh, can you can you kill monkeys there? Are they are they protected like uh, cows? I mean, uh, you, you had the ostriches that uh, won the, the war in in Australia. I mean, there's a lot of cool stories like this. Um, I wonder what's going on. Well, I mean, it, it all goes back to the first thing we talked about, which is its habitat. You know, these these animals are likely uh, much like in Indonesia and stuff. You know, they're they're cutting down these forests because palm. We need palm oil. Oh God! Because you know, palm oil <clears throat> is you know a fraction of a cent cheaper than uh, canola or in the uh, technical term, rapeseed oil, and uh, or, or others. And of course, we're using these products because animal fats are scary, because everything has to be vegan-friendly. Oh, yeah, well, sometimes I just want to scream. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, monkeys are a little bit smarter than maybe a uh, uh, an amoeba, but... Um, you know they're going to figure things out. They, yeah, well, I mean it's their it's their they, territory, and if they can, if if people know that there are dangerous monkeys in the area and they aren't aware of, I mean it's no different than like if you live in an area that has like a roving pack of wild dogs. Like, are you going to go outside and just carelessly walk around with your children? No, <laughs> you're going to be, going to be much more protective and pay attention. And again, it kind of goes back to the car incident. Like, what are you what are you doing? I highly doubt that people in that area didn't know that there were packs of angry monkeys running around. <laughs> You know, well, one more story on babies, and uh, let's talk a little bit about a transgender inmate by the name of Demi D E M I minor Demi minor. Uh, he, she, it, whatever it is, uh, twenty-seven years of age, was transferred to the Garden State Youthful Correction Facility, and um, as a result, uh, he, she, whatever, um, decided that. Well, or shall I say this? The Department of Corrections viewed this person as vulnerable, and so they put him, her, it, whatever, in a women's-only prison, okay? Whereupon he has now impregnated two inmates. Uh, he's serving a 30-year sentence for manslaughter and is eligible for parole in 2037. So 
at this rate, uh, he might have as many children, or she might have as many children. I don't know how you how you classify this person, but like the movie Idiocracy, you know, they're like, pop, 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 pop. He'll get out, and uh, he'll have enough kiddos to take care of him. What do you think? Um, not surprised. Expected outcome: the fact that this is happening and people are surprised by it, and articles are being written about it, really just shows you the uh, willful stupidity and ignorance of people. I don't have anything else to say other than it's just insane. Well, the Department of Justice says they cannot comment on any active investigations. The department has zero tolerance for abuse and the safety and security of of the incarcerated population and staff are of critical importance. What does any of that mean? Oh, we care about the prisoners. You know what my response to that is? Bullshit. Oh, yeah. You know, legitimately, like, you know, there, there are a lot of, like, bad people in prison um but does does the government give a shit about the average prisoner no they don't care it's 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 just, the, the the american prison system is just gross well women are 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 not worth the time of day to a lot of people in government because people are allowing this this uh transgender we used to call them trannies this tranny is there's he's arguing that well it was consensual sexual relationships so you can't do anything with me so they say officials are grappling with allegations that correctional officers have sexually abused and exploited prison inmates for decades yeah uh, duh. Duh. How many, how many times have we seen that in the, the interv- federal prison down the street fair? Go interview prisoners. There, there's a re- Look at most prison guards. I mean, it's, it's, it's a gross, like, uh, uh, it's a tough job. It's, it's a, you know, we're, 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 we're making very broad accusations and, and conclusions here. But I mean, the reality is, is what sane person wants to be a prison guard? <laughs> well, we just pissed off a whole segment of our client base. No, but it's true. <laughs> who who wants to go to one of those places and deal with those people? Like, honestly, like, yeah, there's it, good pay, good benefits. You know, generally speaking, there's probably not a lot you have to actually do. You know, you're but at the same time, you're still in a facility with people that can get extremely violent and scary. Right. Right. So unfortunately, that just self-selects for a lot of sadistic people to work in those jobs. See, this guy claimed that corrections officers forcibly removed her, it's a guy, from a facility. And because of the abuse by the correctional officers, why he, she, it, whatever, was put in the women's prison. And then he couldn't keep his dually in his pants. And then it says here, advocates have hailed the, uh, whatever, what is all this? Oh, treating transgender people in and putting them with women in places like California, Massachusetts, uh, is being hailed as a, um, a positive thing for transgender rights and, and uh, those who are seeking medical treatment, et cetera. I don't know, man. I just, uh, it's just <laughs> some things just I don't get. I just don't. I don't try. Uh, so those are some of the headlines in Drudge. Oh, Drudge is still telling us all about the number of COVID cases that are going on. <laughs> Oh, here's one. I'll finish this one up. This You can't make this. Uh, out of shape nation. Half of Americans admit they can't touch their toes without straining. <laughs> the average American walks about 3,800 steps a day, far less than the 10,000 recommended. I'm, I'm actually surprised that much. <laughs> 73% of Americans are eager. They're eager to get physically active and keep up with their children. Shit, have you seen some of the children out there? Yes. Well, I will say the one benefit of, uh, of, of dramatically increased food prices is maybe people will lose weight. Yeah. 
I mean, if you look at Venezuela, they've had rampant inflation and, and quote-unquote food security problems for many, many years now. And has there been a lot of problems? Yeah, of course. It's, it's been horrible. But the one benefit that they've gotten from all of that is I think the average person has lost about 20 pounds. So, you know. Whether it's due to working from home or a lack of motivation, 42% say they struggle to stay physically active during the day. I, I love those kinds of statements. People struggle to stay physically active during the day. Can you stand? Can you well, walk? Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I definitely understand it because almost everything that society expects you to do involves you sitting in a chair or in a car or, oh, stand, or standing that. someplace, you know, and, you know, go look at, at the activities most people participate in. And it, it involves standing, sitting or sleeping. It's one of those things. So, well, yeah. You know, yeah, but here's the thing. OK, so here's the thing. I'm of an age where I remember when we lived in Wisconsin. OK, you know what the one thing you saw a lot of around six to seven o'clock every night? What do you think you saw? A, I mean, a lot of. I can imagine a lot of things, but I'm going to let you answer that. Parents and children going for a walk. Okay, yeah, sure. My parents did that. They used to always get up and walk around. After dinner, they went for a walk around the block. It sure. was a big-ass block, which is basically because of where we lived. It was about maybe, maybe probably three-quarters mile all around. My parents were walking for at least a mile after dinner. Sure. I mean, uh, I don't know. I just, how many times have you, I, you do the same thing. You know, you're hungry. Well, you can sit down and eat. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling everybody to do this. You can sit down and eat, right? You can do that. You can put, plate a nice meal, et cetera, et cetera. Or you could stand up and go for a walk while you're eating. I mean, I, I know this sounds, some people are like, you got to be kidding me. Well, how about putting in a podcast in your ear? Uh, how about uh, going for a walk and having a bite to eat? You did three things at one time rather than plopping your behind in front of a television and just stuffing your face full of things that nobody can pronounce the uh, petrochemical base of. I don't know. I'm, I'm well, you get one out from the, uh, from the, from the, uh, from the cardio. If you're not walking, you're not running, you're not doing something like that. You have one excuse. That's it. There's only one. What's that? You lift heavy weight. Yeah. So if you don't, if you're not a fan of walking, then go lift some heavy weights. When you can bench twice your, twice your body weight, you can squat two to three times your body weight. Then you have a good out for, for, uh, for not walking. I do. A, believe it or not, those big, heavy compound movements, they burn just about as much calories as walking. Hilariously. 81% of the survey uh, said that they're in a better mood if they exercise. 54% have made it a goal to work out with their, their family. Go for a walk after dinner, folks. Um, and 67% uh, said they have better mental health. And 51% say it's a good influence on their children. So, Well, duh. Duh. Listen, and, 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 for, and for everybody currently in the uh, lovely inflation-adjusted times we live in, uh, guess what? It's free. It's like, oh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work out. I'm gonna go get a gym membership. I'm gonna buy like nine thousand dollars worth of clothing and material and this and that. You know, well, that's no. the thing is a lot of people. That's nope. that's, that's you know supplements and clothing and equipment and all these things. Like, yeah, there's a place for some of it if you're an upper tier athlete and these types of things. But the majority of people do not need to go out and buy stuff to go walk around the block. <laughs> you don't need to go get some new shoes and and magical workout equipment or clothing to go walk around the block a couple times. Well, you know, here's a, here's the thing. I'll, we'll finish up. We'll get out of here. We'll go do some healthy hacks. It's called healthy hacks around the house. I can't stand this. Some of this oh, language hacks, healthy mm. hacks. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, it says that one of the things you can do is these are shortcuts, tricks 
tips you can sneak around the day and get things done. Like when you're on the phone, walk around. I do that already. All day long. Or when you're watching television, you could do some crunches, some squats. We do that. <laughs> push-ups. Oh, you could actually do some push-ups. Actively engage in things like that bring joy to your life, like gardening, swimming, dancing, talking walks, riding bikes, doing yoga. I'm almost at the point where... But, we, but here, the, pro, the problem is with all these, these, these little... I don't know how these are hacks. They're just activities. But anyways, the problem with all of those activities that you just mentioned... Yep. Is that those uh, should probably, generally speaking, be frowned upon or viewed as, as rich people activities. Do you know why? Why is that? Because there's no economic component to them. There you go. You're not spending money. Yeah, oh, you got to spend money. You know, like with, oh, I'm going to go do yoga. Like, okay, you go buy some clothes and a mat. That's the most you're going to be able to do, right? Yep. Like, of course, you know, maybe you can buy, you know, the, the yoga subscription network and and follow along on your Apple TV because, you know, no, you, no. No, no, getting a free YouTube video on how to do it is, it would be, would, would not be as high quality. You got to buy your Peloton bicycle and then buy your application that you can watch a screen and, and yeah, don't you, you got to understand. Yeah. You, and when you go to planet fitness, don't make any noise louder than a mouse or they'll ban you. Cause you know, grunting and competitiveness is bad. Yeah. I have a membership to planet fitness and I will say it's a little bit pussified, but uh, they're, they're, they're all over the place. And when I'm traveling, it's they're easy to get in and get out. And it's convenient. Yeah. It's convenient. But it's just funny. The, um, the yeah i'll just i'll just leave it there yeah hey for those of you who are uh, occasional business travelers uh, i'll uh, i'm going to be out of here this week and uh see today is monday the 18th so we've got a little bit of uh, some things to wrap up before i start traveling but one of the advantages i will tell you that if you have a uh, fitness membership planet fitness and you've got let's say a hour or two break in the afternoon you can always uh keep a gym bag and uh, a round or some clothes go into a planet fitness work out a little bit take a quick shower freshen up and keep on going oh my god who would do that well those of us who work maybe more than eight hours a day hey so with that anything else before we rock and roll got any last words or no, any last item i think we covered the a goulash of topics i think we in, enjoy it i i yet again just followed along with no notes so we shall uh, we shall see how this one turned out i love it okay guys hasta luego si mañana adios well let's uh, throw in a little item here this is called don't let the summer end a new song that we uh, acquired this morning and a little retro and enjoy it we'll see you next time on the paul truesdale podcast two pauls in a pod.